Hello and welcome to Sketch Therapist. It's the podcast that improves your sketch life. I'm your host, Roshan Curé, and in today's episode, I am going to share with you a whole bunch of useful tips. Welcome to Special Tip Sunday. So here goes, here's a few little tips for you that I hope they're going to be useful. The first one is get yourself a decent travel brush. I have a number of them. I don't use a huge number of brushes when I'm out and about. So my pencil case only has about maybe three uh, travel brushes in it. And of course, you know, a travel brush is a is a is a is a paintbrush that um has it's in two pieces and the business bit fits into the handle when you're using it. And then when you're done with it, you take it apart and turn the the bit with the brush in it around and it lives facing down into the handle. It fits into the handle. So it keeps the brushes nice and um, neat. It keeps them together and neat and they don't get destroyed. So I have three as a rule in my pencil case when I go out. The first one is by Rosemary and Co. And the type of one I like is called an OR13. That's the code. It's a mixture of sable and synthetic hair. And the sable bit is for holding lots of water and if it holds lots of water then it's going to hold lots of paint and that means that you get more out of your brush before it runs dry and you have to go back to the palette to get more paint and the synthetic bit is so that it keeps a nice point in the brush um so yeah so that's uh that's that's in my or 13 it's a very good all rounder it's probably equivalent to about a size eight or ten and it's an excellent brush i use it every time i use it practically every day so it's going to set you back maybe 28 euros something like that but it is well worth it it is well worth it because really you're 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 under 30 euros and you will use that brush well you can use it every day for four years like I do and I mean you know that does not work out as an expensive brush and it'll do exactly what you want it to do mine mine still looks amazing after all this these years the second brush I have is a rigger and a rigger and of course it's a travel brush as well and the rigger, my rigger is also by Rosemary and Co. Um, did I mention Rosemary is English and she's a very beautiful woman with long jet black hair and she's just one of these serene looking people. She looks amazing. But the rigger is a super, super thin brush and it is ideal for things like grasses and I think it was originally meant for rigging of ships. So um, that's why it's called a rigger, I think. So I love my rigger. It's not just great for things like grasses, but also for things like wavelets on the sea. Um, you wouldn't want to be without your rigger for that because somehow even the fine point of the OR13 tends to be a bit thick. So definitely get yourself a rigger. Well worth it. I can't remember. Oh, I didn't pay for mine at all. I was going to say I can't remember how much uh, my rigger was. I won it in an Instagram, Instagram competition um from that rosemary and co were doing um i also like her dagger which looks a bit like uh, a, f- a combination between a flat and a round in that it's basically like a flat brush that somebody's taken a meat cleaver to to so it's got um the, f- the the hairs are at an angle so that means that you can use the pointy side of the thin brush the the, th- the hairs and you can get a thin line and then you can use it on a side to fill in an area it takes a little bit of wrangling but it's it's very useful it's like having two brushes in one. So I, I do recommend that's a good brush to have. But the one um, that, that would be one I wouldn't really notice if I left it at home, to be honest. But the third one that I would always make sure to have with me would be a Roman Schmal uh, Kalinsky sable brush. So I think a little sable. Isn't a sable or like a little mink or something like that? 
But my Kalinsky Sable is a pure animal hairbrush. Um, and the reason that's such a useful brush is because it holds, the fact that it's natural hair means that it holds tons of water and tons of colour, which is just brilliant for if you're doing something like a sea, a sky or a sea or any large area of, uh, of colour. And a really good way to, to approach that is to just put loads of clean water on an area and then mix up a good big pot of colour and lash it on. And that's a really, really good way to, to have an even um, colour in a large area. So those are your three tra- travel brushes, the R13, the Rigger and the Kalinsky Sable by Roman Schmal. Oh, Rosemary & Co. also does a squirrel, a pure squirrel uh, travel brush. And I used to have one somewhere, um, but I would... I, 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 you know, I might actually replace it because it was excellent as well. Really, really like that brush for the same reason I like the Kalinsky Sable, which is that being completely natural holds loads of water, loads of pigment and is great for large areas. So those are your travel brush recommendations. And I don't go around with a tiny brush, a really, really skinny one, because they're just not much use. I can't really think of a an instance where your rigger is useful, or sorry, your um, a skinny brush is useful that a rigger wouldn't take care of. So um, yeah, don't 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 bother bringing anything too small out into the field. You you'll end up not using it. All right. So the next tip I want to give you is kind of a fun one. I'm going to suggest to you that when you're out and about urban sketching and maybe looking for something cool to sketch, don't overlook the possibility of sketching a shop window display. So I had a couple of really nice experiences sketching in a shop window. One of them was not too long ago, actually. It was only last March. Um, I was giving my Dublin workshop to a bunch of uh, student sketchers there. Um, it was absolutely stunning weekend. We had beautiful, strong sunshine in March in Dublin, but we did. And one morning I arrived a little bit early and to meet them and I sketched the shoes in a shop window next to Bewley's Cafe on Grafton Street in the heart of Dublin and the shoes were very convenient it was a man's shoe shop and they were very convenient to to paint because being a man's shoe shop there were there was nothing colorful in the window everything was either brown leather or black leather which meant that all I had to use were shades of was shades of burnt sienna and yellow ochre and a little bit of burnt umber to darken up areas leaving tons of little unpainted areas for the shiny bits of the shoes and then I used Payne's Grey for the black shiny shoes as well that were around. And of course, being a fancy shop in a fancy street, it had lovely, shiny, glossy, reflective surfaces um, to put the shoes on for the display. And therefore, there was lovely kind of not quite mirror reflections, but very strong reflections underneath the shoes. So it was really fun to draw. And the shapes are really good. And by the way, very good practice drawing the shapes of shoes because they can be a little bit ordinary. And you do have to draw people with shoes at the end of their feet a lot. So it's a good way to get used to them. So that was one shop window I did. Another one I did, guys, I have to recommend this to you. Painting meat in a shop window is a really enjoyable thing to do. There's a, a, a very old established meat shop on Mary Street called FX Buckley. And I don't know when it was established, maybe from the photographs, maybe something like 60s, maybe early 70s. I'm not sure, maybe even a bit before that, maybe well before that. I probably got it completely wrong, probably 1905 or something. But anyway, Buckley's prides itself in having really amazing meat. In fact, it would it would have been a lot longer ago than the 70s because it's got spectacular um, mosaics, um, 
embedded into the into the pavement just outside the shop of like cow heads and sheep heads and oh it's a really cool shop it's a really really cool shop beautiful shop but when I was I, I had to do some sketching in Dublin for my book Dublin and Sketches and Stories uh, along Mary Street and one day it was a bit drizzly it was a bit miserable a bit drizzly so I stood under the canopy outside FX Buckley and I painted the meat in the window and uh, do you know what it was quite convenient because all I had to do was have my brown ink pen in one hand a red ink pen in another hand because uh, and then and then I just basically just used uh, red from my my paint palette I used a little bit of Naples yellow that was for the tripe you can imagine yourself kind of a very very pale creamy whitey yellow that was a perfect tripe color but the uh, the reds that I used alizarin crimson and some dark oranges and maybe some um some cadmium cadmium red as well they they were all I needed really for the colours of the meat because the meat obviously ranged from pale pink all the way to a very deep purpley colour. I think that was the uh, the liver, the liver, lovely fresh liver. But it was really, really pleasant to use. And then, of course, the red pen, the red ink pen, that was very uh, convenient to have because I would want to emphasise every now and then some little bits of red. <laughs> OK, you don't need to... You don't need to, to imagine too much, but it, it it just was really nice. And of course, you get to do all the marbling, all the bits of white through all the meat. Um, and it just looked really good. It worked very, very well. Um, apart from the red and the Naples yellow, I also had the Payne's Grey to paint in the uh, stainless steel and the aluminium um, of the little meat trays and so on. Then I used my letter stamps to put in FX Buckley over the top. And letter stamps are brilliant to have. In fact, letter stamps brings me on to the next subject. Before I leave that bit about the meat, I just wanted to tell you, it was kind of of sad. I was standing there um, drawing into the shop window. And by the way, when you want to draw standing up like that, I've mentioned it before, but you need a preferably no bigger than an A5 sketchbook because your sketchbooks can get pretty heavy after a short while when you're standing up sketching. Don't forget your magnetic clips to attach to the side of your sketchbook and then you can pop your paint box on top and paint away and you'll need an extra clip to hold down the opposite page so always remember to have at least three bulldog clips and or magnetic clips when you go out into the field you when you need those magnetic clips anyway but the rest can they can all be magnets if you want but uh just make sure you have enough because the paint pages will flap in the wind it's really annoying but anyway i was standing there drawing um and this young woman approached me and she sort of she was clearly in a very vulnerable situation you could feel it from her and she looked at me and she watched me drawing. I'd say she was probably in her early 20s. And she said, what are you doing? And I said, I'm drawing. She said, drawing, are you? I said, I am, yeah. And she said, Jesus, I never saw anyone drawing before. I wondered to myself, did she mean she'd never seen anybody drawing full stop? Or did she, had she never seen anybody drawing on the street? I suspect she might not have seen anyone drawing well, let's say on the street before. Let, let's say on the street before, because it'd be too sad if she'd never seen anybody drawing before at all. But that was, um, <laughs> it was quite a funny experience, actually, being there watch, uh, amongst the, the, the clientele who walked past to, to, to stare at the meat and wonder what they'd have, um, what they'd buy for their dinner. Um, and, you know, it was funny because I, I, I didn't mean to think it, but the thought came into my mind involuntarily that it was like lions it was like you'd imagine, I caught a vibe of lions eyeing up an antelope or something. That's what it felt like. And I, I, I didn't sort of think, I, didn't, I wasn't trying to sort of artificially think, oh yeah, 
people slavering over meat is is like is like carnivores but it wasn't like that it just came unbidden into my mind it was that's what it was like um and then when I went inside I couldn't resist some South African sausages that I saw in the window and I went in to buy a few and there was this teeny little old lady in front of me in the queue and she was tiny she was really elderly and she was tiny she was all belted up in her coat little tiny frame in her and she says to the butcher huge big guy huge big butcher she goes um can I have some of that there place just give me a small bit we live in meowin and the butcher said uh you need to get yourself a tie by and uh <laughs> toy boy and I just thought, gosh, that poor little lady, she's barely, she's barely coping. The last thing she needs in her life is a toy boy. But uh, anyway, that was that was FX Buckley. It was lovely, really nice to 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 sketch there. And I also like the fact that uh, all the meat, certainly according to the labels that were everywhere, was free range, which is what I'm all about. I only buy free range meat, whether it's chicken or pork or well, beef is always free range and sheep lamb is always free range in Ireland but uh certainly chicken and and pork but it's hard to get free range pork um and so I did buy some there that day anyway on to the letter stamps thing so I find that sometimes when you have a bit of a free space on your page sometimes you it can be kind of like mm, what do I do with this free space and what I sometimes like to do is um use letter stamps to write something just any old thing it doesn't matter because it's not really what you're writing well it isn't the way I do it anyway it's more the decorative quality and the decorative nature of the letter stamps that I'm after so for that particular page I just wrote um fx buckley and I really really enjoyed that okay so that's letter stamps what about the next tip which is drawing people in the sun now this is not very uh what's the word this is not very uh, appropriate to this time of year because it's now October. It is very dark and very wet outside. It has been pouring all day. It was thundering all day yesterday and lightning. Um, and in fact, there was thunder and lightning all night. And I don't know how other members of my family didn't hear it because it was very loud and very dramatic. And I was doing that thing where you, where you take a time stamp for the lightning and then count the seconds until you hear the thunder following. And that's how far away it is. Do you know, it only occurred to me like last week. I know we all know how to do that. But it only occurred to me last week when somebody said something that that's just the speed of sound you're counting. So for every second, it's 300 metres away. Like, it's so obvious. I'm supposed to be have a science degree. How dumb am I for not not to have worked it out? Um, sorry, no offence if you also hadn't worked it out. Because sound travels at 300 metres per second. So for every second, it's 300 metres away. Obvious. So anyway, at the time I did it, it was two and a half kilometres away, which is of no relevance to anyone or anything, except that in the morning I said to Paddy, who's 21, I said, Paddy, did you hear that? And he goes, what? I said, the thunder. He goes, that's not thunder. I said, what do you mean it's not thunder? He says, no, that, that's just a man in a van driving down the road. I said, oh, oh, right. OK, uh, just he gets a fright every time there's lightning. Is that it? And then he just has to drive really quickly in the opposite direction. Oh, oh, listen to that. There he goes again. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, there he goes again. So then I, every time there was thunder over the next few minutes, I was like, oh, look, Paddy, there he is driving hither and thither. Yeah, he's getting really anxious now. He's probably terrified with the, all the lightning around him. Anyway, point about it is the the uh, 
the weather is dreadful and I am now about to give you a tip for drawing people in the sun. And we're talking really, really hot, bright sun. And what I like to do is, especially if people are sitting down, say, for example, if they're sitting in a park having some lunch or something like that. So, again, totally inappropriate. I feel really bad, actually, giving you a, ske- a tip for sketching people in the sun in the middle of October. So I'll make it quick. All you do is look for the bright side, which is the sunny side, obviously and the dark side and on the dark side the shady side just run a strip of um, Payne's grey along their clothing and wait for it to dry and then if they've got darker coloured jeans do a second strip you know just a second layer of on, on top of the strip for the for the trousers um, and that'll look really good and then for the skin do the same thing except instead of Payne's grey or something like that just use a skin colour and you can use you can make your skin colours yourself by mixing yellow ochre um, plus or minus opera pink or quinacridone, cherry quinacridone red. Love that colour by Roman Schmalz. Amazing colour. And then plus or minus um, burnt sienna, burnt umber and Payne's grey. And between those five colours, you will get any skin tone you could possibly think of. And by the way, I've probably said it before in the podcast, but you'll just have to forgive me that I sometimes forget what I've said and what I haven't said. So I've probably said it numerous times. So I do apologise if I have. But just remember to keep the sunny side completely um, unpainted and it'll look really, really sunny. And oh, and don't forget, don't forget shadow. So you can do your shadow either in your your fountain pen, even brown works really well. Um, you can colour it in in brown ink or black ink, whatever you happen to be drawing with. Or you can paint it in with some concentrated paints grey. That works really well as well. OK, the next tip is really simple one. Paper. Don't use less than 200 grams um in in weight that's 90 pounds any less than that in your paper is just going to buckle up so don't bother with anything less than 200 grams so that's a very simple one. Oh, hot press versus cold press hot press is a very smooth finish and it can be great if you're big into using your ink pens like i am and cold press is much more um textured so it can be a beautiful way to to um to paint with watercolor because your watercolor textures come up really really nicely on it so there you go. There's your choices. And then there's NP, which is not cold pressed, I think. I don't know what an NP stands for, but uh, that that's something else. I don't know. I'm sure you can look it up. Don't forget, always, always, always make sure the paper is acid free because you don't want to uh, you don't want to lose your lovely work. I remember when I first became a an, an urban sketcher and I think I joined probably on Facebook on urban sketchers back in 2012. And there's a fantastically gifted uh urban sketcher called Donald Owen Collie. He really is amazing. And Don sent me um, a little note right at the early days. And he just said something like, um, young lady, very nice of him. Young lady, I think you you, you, you seem to be drawing on the backs of envelopes. and Because I was, I was going through a phase of painting and drawing on the backs of brown envelopes because I like the texture of the paper. I like the way the colours came up as well. And, and you could use white gel pen or white gouache and it looks amazing really nice and he said you don't want to do that he said your work is so beautiful that you may wish someday in the future 15 years from now that's what he said 15 years from now you may wish to retain your beautiful sketches so make sure that you always use acid-free paper he told me so that your sketches retain their, their 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 quality and their condition so that was so 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 nice of him because he was a professional artist and had been for very many years and I was a complete nobody and he didn't have to do that. It was very, very sweet of him. Very, very nice of him. 
and has continued to be sweet and nice ever since. He seems to be a super guy. I've never met him, never had the, the, the pleasure, but a fantastically talented individual. Absolutely incredible. Okay, the next tip is a very simple one, and I'm going to say it like this. When you're a plein air painter, you might go into the woods and paint some beautiful view through the trees or over the valley or through through a gate into into a meadow. But the urban sketcher, well, they might do that, but they'll also be very interested in drawing the bins in the car park or some people sitting around having a barbie somewhere um, somewhere in the in the eating section, in the authorised eating section in the park. So personally, give me urban sketching any day because it's just the nitty gritty of everyday life. But that would be one of the differences that I would see. Okay, so there's a bunch of small little tips. I'll see what else I have for you, but I hope those ones um, are of some interest to you. Okay, I've dug out a few more tips. Let's see if these are any use to you. Number, (laughs) I can't remember what number this one is. Anyway, the next tip. White horses in the sea are made a lot brighter by darkening the colour of the waves above and below the white horses. So that's pretty simple, isn't it? So when you're drawing a rough sea and you've got these little surfy bits, the white horses at the tops of the little, the crests of the waves, just just deepen up the colour a little bit of the wave underneath them particularly. Really, really works. Um, also, as you're nearing the shore, you, um, you'll have lots of sort of white unpainted strips if you are a little bit further from the water because you begin to see the shore I suppose the shallow nature of the water at that at that point so that's a that's a useful tip for making your sea look realistic okay so another tip completely different when you are doing a very busy scene um, and you want to emphasize a certain color you would do well to Paint the certain colour that you want to emphasise and leave everything else in neutral colours. And I found that worked for me well in a market in Harlem in the the Netherlands one time. I was drawing a very nice herring stall, as you do in Holland. And there were Dutch flags and Dutch national colours all over the stall. Blue, red and white um, all over the place. And I really wanted to emphasise those colours. But in the busy market... If I'd painted the punters in all their bright colours, there's no way you would have really got the feeling of the Dutch flag so much. So I painted everybody in neutral colours and I left it just in line. And I was quite pleased with the uh, the way the, the national flag really stood out. So and I had the church in the background as well. The what's it called? It's in Grootmarkt in Harlem. I can't remember the the name of the church but anyway it's a beautiful church but it's very I painted it in very very soft wet and wet muted colours and they didn't interfere or fight with the the bright colours of the flag at all so that really really works I definitely think you should give that a try here's another uh, tip that is completely different again Um, and it's to do I suppose it's related to perspective and it is this when you are drawing a person standing in front of you, doesn't matter where it is, you will draw the far foot a little bit higher than the near foot. So when you do that, the person looks like the two feet are planted apart. It works really well. It's a very, very simple thing. So your near foot has got the sole in X position and the further away foot has got the 
soul in X plus a little bit higher, a little bit, a little bit higher up position. Um, and it works for pu- humans and it works for dogs and it works for cats and it works for ducks and it works for everything, it works for seagulls, whatever has two legs or indeed four, just do the far leg a little bit higher up and it'll look like it's just standing steady on the ground. And it's to do with the perspective. If you are standing well above the, the, the ground, which you probably are, then um, you will want to uh, show the slope of the ground away from you. But don't worry about that. Just just do the thing with the foot, the far foot being a little bit higher. When I discovered that, it was a real kind of like, wow, this really looks realistic. So definitely try that. Um, the next one is related to uh, the C one. Um, and it's about using a masking fluid pen to capture the sparkly sun on the surface of the sea. So again, insensitive because it's a miserable day in October where I am. But hopefully uh, you might be living somewhere sparkly in the sunshine. Better again, you might be living near the sea where the sun sometimes sparkles. So that would be just a win-win here. And what works really, really well to catch those sparkles in the early morning and in the evening when the sun is at a critical angle on the water. If you use your masking fluid pen to make the little dots of sparkle on the sea. Let let the masking fluid pen dry and then really darken up the layers of blue for the sea or whatever colour you're using for your sea. Really, really deepen them up and let them dry around those sparkles. And when the when the sea colour dries completely and you use your fingertip to rub off the, the rubber, the masking fluid, um, you'll find that it looks really, really sunlighty. And in fact, two people who make to do this to great effect and um, there's Kate Koss who is um a, 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 a fantastic gouache painter based in County Wexford and she would use the little white spots on the sea to absolutely marvellous effect in her paintings she does a lot of plein air paintings and her work is absolutely stunning definitely check her out on Instagram so she does that to great effect and the other place that made me think of it was I was watching um Goliath the series on Netflix no Amazon I think it's Amazon with Billy Bob Thornton and there's a bit in one of the episodes and don't worry there's no spoilers where he's standing in front of the sea um and it's sort of late into the evening and he's just had a lovely meal and it's gorgeous, hot, sunny evening. Um, there are literally white spots on the sea, like they're beautiful, glowing white spots. And it could so easily have been um, a painting with masking fluid to show that sunlight. So there you go. That's a really, really useful tip. So you can buy masking fluid in a pen. Different brands have different degrees of effectiveness. I've had really, really good ones that run out really quickly and I've had less good ones that don't run out so quickly because the masking fluid rubber stuff doesn't flow so well. Still, I prefer them to the um, the actual bottle of masking fluid. Just they're very messy to use. So there you go. So that's the tip for capturing sunlight on the sea. All right, for your next tip, I'm going to suggest a really, really useful one. When you're painting foliage, uh, when you're painting a tree or a hedge or a bush, you will do you will make the foliage darker at the bottom um darker towards the thick part of the of the leaves and lighter towards the top where the sun is hitting the leaves and that's that's standard whether it's a bright day or whether it's an overcast day but what you will find is that on an overcast day the transition between the dark parts of the foliage and the bright parts of the foliage is very soft and sort of muted and blended and on a really really bright sunny day the transition between very dark foliage and much brighter golden foliage is very sharp, very, very, uh, very sudden. And that's just to do with the, the, the bright light and the shadows. So 
I mean, sort of part of me wants to say, don't listen to me, just use your eyes. But sometimes it can be helpful just to have something in the back of your mind so that you can pinpoint it and be conscious of it. Because I think one of the things that happens when you're in the midst of flow and you're out painting uh, from life, you kind of lose sense of any concrete thoughts when I think it's to do with, isn't it to do with going into right brain activity? So sometimes it can be helpful just to have a nudge of a little voice to say, look out for those, look out for the shadows, look out for the, to see whether it's um, um, a soft transition if it's an overcast day or a really bright transition, really sudden, sharp, bright transition, if it's a really bright day. So, yeah, look out for that. Um, and I think you will find that it really helps your trees and your foliage look very realistic. And by the way, while we're talking about foliage, don't use your greens too sharp, too acidic and don't use them too blue because that does not really look realistic. So you you'll never go wrong with a little bit of burnt sienna or even a little bit of yellow ochre mixed in with your greens when you're preparing your foliage. Um, of course, you could just cut to the chase and use Green Appetite Genuine by Daniel Smith or you could use Aquarius Green by Roman Schmal. Two fabulous granulating, very sludgy greens that are can be used neat for foliage and you don't even have to mix them. So they're brilliant for just little rapid little blob of colour for your trees. So there you go. There's a little a few little words um, of tips for trees and foliage. So there you go. A bunch of tips. Hope you find something useful in that little smorgasbord of tips there. Um, yeah, good luck with that. One of the dinkiest things I have to paint with is a, a little, um, like a little Altoids tin. Well, actually, it's a craft tin, but it's the size and shape of an Altoids tin. And you can buy them easily enough on Amazon. Um, I bought a big load of, of these little tins. I got them in a plain black. But I, what I really want to do is uh, approach a Chinese factory. I've actually identified one, would you believe? And uh, get them to emboss some sort of... I suppose my logo on the lid. Wouldn't that be cool? But anyway, what's far more important is the contents. And I have actually also got some 3D printed um, inserts for the insides of these little tins. They look they look great. They look really, really cool. And I then had to come up with a selection of 10 colours that I thought would be super useful and very complete and comprehensive. So here you go. Here are my top 10 colours, not 12, not 15, 10. And the whole thing changes very much when you're talking about 10 and not 12 because you 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 just don't have as much wriggle room with your colours and they have to double job a lot more efficiently than they would if you had more. So here we go. And I'll, after I give you the list, I will tell you what I the reasons why I choose these colours. And if you do have any thoughts about them, please share them with me. And you know where to find me, sketchwithroisin at gmail.com. Um, you can all, always DM me on Instagram as well. So here we go. Number one, phthalo blue. Number two, Payne's grey. Three would be burnt umber. Four is lemon yellow or any nice clean yellow. Five is Aquarius orange by Roman Schmal. Six is cherry quinacridone red by Roman Schmal. Seven is yellow ochre. Eight is green appetite genuine by Daniel Smith or Aquarius green by Roman Schmal. Nine is phthalo green and ten is magenta. OK, so what's the thinking behind those colours? The phthalo blue is a very intense and bright blue. I could have gone for French ultramarine, but the, the lovely thing about phthalo blue is that it's great for a sky. And you need to have a blue that's really good and good and sort of convincing for a sky. It's a very, very rich blue um, and you can tone it down a little bit if you add in some Payne's Grey. Depending on the Payne's Grey, but the Roman Schmal brand is really 
great. It's a sort of a very deep, dark, soft grey blue. It's exactly what you want in a paints grey. It's not too blue. It's not too grey. So um, between your phthalo blue and your paints grey, you will get a good range of blues. Now, what about paints grey itself? Well, paints grey can be used in a very concentrated form for black. It can be used in an extremely dilute form for all manner of greys and just generally light, um, anything that where, where you might use light blue or any shade of grey. It's also fantastic for shadow colour. So there you go, paints grey. I would also suggest uh, Shadow Grey by Roman Schmal. That's a fantastic shade as well. I love it. I've gone crazy for it lately. In fact, I, I've run out really fast out of my um my little sample that Roman sent me. I love it and I'm going to get more. The next one is super useful, Burnt Umber. So um, you need a very, very dark brown. You can mix it with Payne's Grey to make a lovely warm toned grey. Um, you can mix it with any of your other browns to deepen them up. What else would I do with burnt umber? Ah, you do tons of things with burnt umber. Burnt umber is very, very useful for um, trees, for branches, for fruit, for little stems, for anything to do with animals, uh, with for their fur, especially mammals, um, for hair and humans, um, for skin tones. You can't be without burnt umber. The next one is lemon yellow or any shade of nice, clean yellow, like, uh, um, what's that one called? Fallow, oh, I forgot the name of it, but anyway, it's um, it'll it'll come back to me. Um, it'll come back to me. Uh, quino quinophthalone, quinophthalone yellow, that makes a really really clean yellow. And there's also Aquarius yellow by Roman Schmel, um, but lemon yellow you can't go wrong with that as well. But just be careful about the brand you use for lemon yellow because some of them can be a bit chalky, a bit opaque, and you want a nice clear transparent one. The next colour on the list is Aquarius Orange, which is a heavenly colour by Roman Schmal. Um, an equivalent would be Transparent Pearl Orange by Daniel Smith. It's a gorgeous, um, nice, clean, clear, transparent orange. And I will be no doubt using lots of Aquarius Orange for my pumpkins um, over the next few weeks. The next one is invaluable and is very, very, very um, much researched and hunted down. And it's called Cherry Quinacridone Red. And it's not red at all. It's a soft, soft pink. And the reason Cherry Quinacridone Red by Roman Schmal is so useful is that you mix it with yellow ochre um, in various quantities and proportions and you can get a whole range of skin tones. Um, you can also use it to give someone a pink nose or pink ears, two things which I am obsessed with doing. So absolutely cannot be without Cherry Quinacridone Red. Beautiful shade. And of course, light fast, because everything Roman does is light fast. The next one is yellow ochre. Uh, again, a colour you cannot be without for all things to do with animals, to do with ground, to do with skin tones, to do with hair, to do with clothing. Um, absolutely can't be without yellow ochre. To do with fruit and veg and just millions and millions of things. It's a goldeny, sandy colour and it's invaluable. The next one is Green Appetite Genuine by Daniel Smith or Aquarius Green by Roman Schmal. The reason I'm choosing that particular green is because it's so, so useful for foliage um, and for fruit and for all, all kinds of things. And Green Appetite Genuine by Daniel Smith is and Aquarius Green are both granulating greens, both stunning when they dry, absolutely stunning. The Green Appetite Genuine granulates to separate into a sludgy green with some kind of magenta flex in it. And the Aquarius green weirdly granulates into kind of like um, sort of a blue kind of a granulation, which is amazing as well. Love them both. They're absolutely beautiful. But what's great about those particular shades of green is that you can use them neat for foliage, um, especially in an urban sketching situation. Really, really useful.
The next one is phthalo green. Now, the reason phthalo green can be a little bit unuseful on its own. It's a beautiful, transparent jade green. But you need that to mix with your yellow to make all sorts of bright greens and lime greens and so on. Um, and used with phthalo blue, you are going to get stunning turquoises um, as well. And phthalo green mixed with Payne's grey gives you beautiful sea colours for a sort of a northern coloured sea. You'll find that that works really well. Absolutely gorgeous. One of my favourite colours actually, phthalo green and Payne's grey mixed together. And then the last colour I have included there is magenta, which is a very deep and clean pinkish um pinkish blue so it's not quite purple um it's like a deep dark pinky red and it's very it's a very cold pinky red and it's brilliant because mix it with phthalo blue and you're going to get stunning clean purples uh, mix it with aquarius orange and you'll get beautiful bright red um what else would you mix it with mix it with Payne's gray and you're going to get a gorgeous deep violet color so definitely don't skimp on that and uh Highly recommend your magenta. So there you go. There's 10 options for you to make a really, really useful and very complete um, paint box. So, yeah, most of those colours can be obtained from Roman Schmal or Daniel Smith. And part of the fun is in the choosing. So by all means, choose your own colours. But those are 10 colours that are useful and comprehensive just a quick one to add. Most importantly, while it's a lovely little paint box, it's tiny, so small that it's never going to weigh the edge of your sketchbook down. So it's perfect for sketching, standing up or in really tight little spaces. Well, as you guys know, I've recently left Galway Technical Institute. I put it behind me. I realised there's no way I could do sound production, studio and live. Um, all the assignments that were involved in, in the course and also carry out my duties as a teacher and as, a, as an artist do gets seemingly a lot of commissions these days. I have no idea why. So I just couldn't, couldn't fit it all in. So I reluctantly left, as, as I explained last week, I reluctantly left and I was very disappointed. I was very disappointed to leave. Made a little bit better by, uh, by getting a book proposal in to my publishers and I'll know in a few days whether they, they, they want to run with it or not. Meanwhile, I made my way into Galway City on Friday morning, absolutely gorgeous autumnal day, one of those really sunny days you get in autumn. And I just dropped a copy of my book, An Urban Sketches Galway, into Brian, the tutor who was so nice to me on the course. Just a small little thank you and to, to mark my very brief sojourn at, the, um, at GTI in a nice way. And when I came out, well, I decided to go for a little stroll up the town and wait and see if something caught my eye to sketch. And sure enough, I was crossing the street at Spanish Arch, um, making my way up to Key Street. I, I sort of wanted to do something kind of autumnal stroke Halloween-y, but I suppose preferably autumnal because it isn't quite Halloween yet. Um, and I saw this pile of bikes parked on a bike rack. I mean, there was nothing special about them. The only thing that was special about them was that there was a pile of leaves at the base of the bikes. I mean, how is that special? But it was. And it reminded me of a sketch I saw by uh, Rolf uh, Schroeter. I'm probably pronouncing Rolf's surname incorrectly. But um, when I was at clermont Ferrand last November at the Rendezvous Carnet de Voyage, I met Rolf. And Rolf has this really amazing, 
unique style. He draws on like really thin rice paper, kind of, well, it's not rice paper, I don't know what it is, but it's almost transparent, it's so thin. And he, he works in a black marker, so the marker stains and bleeds everywhere. And it's really dramatic. The effect is really, really artistic. And sometimes he takes a, a yellow highlighter pen or a pink neon highlighter pen to add a little bit of colour to his sketches. Nothing else, just just a bit of highlight pen. And one sketch he'd done, it, ha- it had some 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 dead leaves blowing around and Rolf is from Berlin and his sketches are mostly set in Berlin and I was really struck by how 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 realistic the leaves were even though they're all coloured in yellow and pink neon marker you know it was quite incongruous but it was very inspiring it was very inspiring in fact I bought Rolf's book um there and then I must have a look at it again and see what it was about that that particular image that that's that you know made such an impression on me so when I was walking through Galway I saw this bike rack and I saw all these brown crunchy leaves all different shades of yellow and green and orange and brown all blowing around in the in the in the little eddies of wind um at the base of the at the bikes where the where the wheels were um parked into the into the bike stand and I thought that's perfect this is perfect so I pulled out my little stool made myself comfortable and got sketching now, you could be forgiven for thinking that drawing a pile of bikes in a bike stand might be a bit of a challenge. But all you have to do really is draw one bike. After that, it's just bits of bike, isn't it? It's kind of like Frankenstein-y bits of bike. A handlebar here, a bit of a wheel sticking out there, maybe a basket sticking up here. So once I'd done the first bike, the rest were kind of much easier to do. I liked drawing the the little leaves. I have drawn leaves before and they haven't looked right but that's because I wasn't looking properly so this time I was indeed looking properly I was looking and looking and looking now I did work out what the trick to these leaves was and I'll tell you what it is it's very simple you just put a tiny little bit of shadow under each of the leaves because you remember you remember once once a leaf kind of falls off and curls up it becomes brittle doesn't it and kind of like firm in its shape of of that kind of curve so it does end up having a little gap that throws a shadow onto the onto the onto the ground. So I found that by doing that, I know it sounds like such a small thing, and it is really, but it really made it. I thought it really worked actually. So there it was, dra- drawing away, and I was right next to the pedestrian crossing. So apart from the odd row of traffic that came to a standstill beside me, um, there there wasn't much in the way of. Well, there was lots of passers-by, but they were crossing the street. They were busy. They they weren't inclined to stop and talk. But there was one man. Now you guys know. Well, maybe you don't know, but I can tell you, I do not mind at all. Well, you might have picked it up by now. I Not alone do I not mind when people stand over my shoulder and watch me draw, but I like it. And I like when they talk to me. I like when they, you know, chat about what, what I'm doing. What I don't like as much, but I don't object to it, is someone standing silently over my shoulder for hours and hours and not actually saying one word. Don't really mind. Don't like it. Don't mind it. All right. There is something I very much mind. It turns out to be, didn't know this, by the way, until Friday. A man, occasionally looking over my shoulder, pacing up and down slowly right beside me, standing blocking my view on one of his, the ends of his little pace, um, and then coming back, looking over my shoulder again, <laughs> not saying a word at all. Every time I look at the man, he's looking away. And uh, I just found it really disconcerting, really annoying and very distracting. And for the first time in a long time I actually angled the book away from him every time he was around my shoulder because I didn't want him to see it was just too distracting and I was really trying to concentrate because the light kept changing the um 
the sun was at that dramatically changing stage of the day, which is around midday, quarter past, half past midday. At that stage, that's the time of day, as you know, when the sun reaches the top and then starts, you know, going the other direction. You know what I mean? Um, so the shadows change very rapidly at that time of day. You're out of luck if you start drawing shadows pointing one way because they're soon going to point in another direction. So I was really, really trying to keep keep my act together and, you know, keep focused on, on what was supposed to be going on. And this man was really annoying me. So for future reference, people, um, either say something or don't say anything, that's fine. But don't pace, please. Don't pace in front of the sketcher. It's really intensely annoying. Now, the man was a little bit vulnerable. You could You could see he had seen better times. He was an older guy. And eventually started talking to himself. I know, I know, I should be more sympathetic. I know. But I wasn't feeling particularly sympathetic. I thought, it's funny, once he started talking to himself, I thought, okay, so that's how it is. Do you know that kind of way? You know, you suddenly think, oh, all right. And for some strange reason, once he started talking to himself, I didn't feel under any threat anymore. I think because he was having a conversation with himself and he didn't really notice me. So I don't know why he was looking over my shoulder. Maybe he wasn't even. Maybe I just happened to be in his line of vision. It's quite possible. Anyway, got the sketch done, got the bikes done, painted the leaves in shades of yellow, orange, a few bits of green. Um, and then I did the, the, the trees overhead. So I was quite pleased-ish. I wasn't that pleased with the sketch when I finished it, but I, it kind of grew in me after a while. I like the fact that it has a large empty area in it because sometimes a very busy sketch really is enhanced with a bit of a, an empty area. Something I quite like. I don't know, it's something to do with breathing room or something. So that is going to be our class for Tuesday and I think the guys are going to like it because they will all have a bike rack somewhere near them, I hope. Um, and you never know, they might be in luck and it might be the place where the blowing leaves gather and remind them that it's autumn. Well, that brings us to an end of this week's Sketch Therapist. I hope you've enjoyed all those little sketch tips and I hope you get something out of them. Um, what about what's coming up? Okay, well, Saturday, no doubt, will be something to do with autumn's bounty will probably be pumpkins and this coming tuesday it's going to be you've guessed it the bike rack and the swirling leaves and the sunshine dappling through the leaves i'm i'm looking forward to it um that's going to be on tuesday the 18th of october and you just have to keep an eye out on instagram and facebook for the topic and of course on my website as soon as i have something nice and autumnal like a I'm thinking pumpkins, I'm thinking pumpkins, I'm thinking spice lat spice pumpkin, whatever the heck it's called, pumpkin spice, isn't that it? Sorry, wrong way around, pumpkin spice latte or whatever. I might have to go hang around one of the coffee houses and get something nice, something nice and Halloween-y for Saturday. Um, other piece of news, which is that uh, I am going to be starting a membership programme. I am, and I'm very excited. My wonderful webmaster, Ronan, and I, well, mostly Ronan, have come up with this idea. Well, in fact, only Ronan came up with the idea of a membership programme. Um, it, we're going to try and make it really attractive in terms of value for the students. And I suppose also, more crucially, fun. It's going to, it's going to have to be a lot of fun. The aim is to bring something really, really engaging for everyone this coming winter and that means having full access to all the archives as well so between all your lovely newfound freedom 
and getting out and about now that the pandemic is somewhat, somewhat behind us, I think it's safe to say. And because of all your wonderful creativity that you're going to find both in my classes and on your own, um, hopefully putting some of the tips that I've, I've tried to share into practice, you're never going to have a quiet moment. You're never going to have a quiet moment. So yeah, I'm looking forward to that very, very much. I will um, keep you, I'll keep you totally informed as to what's going on with the membership. Of course, the VIP membership, very important painters. That's what it's going to be. Uh, other than that, I just wanted to tell you that I've been having great fun uh, messing around with Inktober. There's this woman in the States called Janelle Shane. She seems to be a very cool person. She has used AI to generate some prompts for uh, for Inktober this year. Um, and she calls it Bottober. Bottober. Bottober 2022. And it's great fun. And there's this, as I say, there's 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 four lists. Um, one of them is called Animal, second one is Halloween, third is meat, and the fourth is clockwork. And I have no idea how AI works, but the animals list and the meat list is, are the two that I like best. So I've been having really good fun just making these line drawings. I don't, I plan it in my head for about five or ten minutes and then I just draw a piece of paper. I just literally draw an ink directly. I don't draw on pencil first or anything like that. I just draw directly. Um, and that's how I like it because it's very spontaneous. I like to draw four little quadrants if I can, four little panel cartoon um, with some, some ridiculous... Uh, and usually totally uh, senseless prompt like what was yesterday's um, not so oh I know what it was terrifying terrifying not a giraffe I mean it makes no sense at all terrifying not a giraffe but these are the things that get your brain the cogs in your brain worrying so you know you might have missed two weeks of Inktober but there's still two weeks left to go you don't have to, sh- you don't have to show anyone you don't have to post you don't have to do anything like that it's just for your own fun to just get playful um, I've, I'm a great believer in art being your own playground and Inktober is exactly that. So, um, yeah, you can see most of mine in my Instagram account if you're interested. But, um, yeah, it's great fun. It's great fun. So, lads, I'll leave it at that. And um, I hope you have enjoyed this this week's episode. And I really want to thank you so much for listening, as always. You're always so nice to me with your comments and so on. And talking of which, if you want to get in touch, don't forget, you can just send me an email to sketchwithroisin at gmail.com. So, listen, get out there into the autumn while the weather's still okay-ish. Um, into the cafes and into the maybe garden centres while while the while the going is good, and one way or another, as always, I wish you happy sketching. <laughs>